Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Book More Show. It's Stuart here with Betsy. Betsy Vaughan. How goes Hi Stuart, good to be here. Fantastic, gorgeous, beautiful. Fantastic. End of the week, we're recording on Friday this week, so it's um, always good to wrap up the end of the week with the uh, podcast. I think we've got some, um, it's always good to get to this stage having dealt with so many people particularly this week it's really seemed to be pretty busy uh, so lots of examples yeah. of helping people through and we'll try and tie them into like into we were talking show. about before we came on board you know before we started recording it is to spend this entire week has been non-stop going busy 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 and um specifically today for friday um very busy a lot of great conversations or you know about books and and potential books almost- and it's almost as if people have kind of surfaced after kind of um, all of the financial end of year stuff has has kind of settled down now. Obviously, we help a lot of financial advisors and people in that space, so they're busy not only with their own stuff but with client stuff as well. So, definitely seems like people are getting to this point in the year and then thinking, "Okay, I've been thinking about this for a couple of months now. Need to get started. I can see some light at the end of the tunnel. So let's uh, let's make a move now and." And pulling the trigger to get started, both in terms of jumping yeah, on board with so. us, but also just thinking about a book as a lead generation tool more generally. Exactly. And, you know, um, it kind of feels like January. That's the kind of <laughs> the kind of buzz around it. That's really how I was feeling like, wow, in January, typically we're very busy and a lot of conversations, a lot of conversations. So kind of feeling like that. But like I said, good conversations are going on. People are excited. Um, about getting their books out. And like you said, they've been talking about it for a while or thinking about it for a while. And, um, and lots of great use cases, lots of different industries, lots of ways that people are thinking about uh, engaging them, engaging their audience in, in slightly different ways. It's um, it's always great to see that variety coming through as well. It really is. And I will tell you, um, having doing this podcast and, and people speaking to people on a regular basis, um, about our specific process in writing a book. Um, lately, I have more and more people, and I'm hearing, first of all, they're listening to the podcast, which is awesome. We so appreciate that. But people are really getting the idea of the purpose of this book, like not being a bestseller, about it truly being a lead generation tool. And yeah. that is something I really picked up on this week. I, I'm hearing a lot of that, like, this, you know, I'm really wanting to build my business. I'm wanting to use this as a, an extension of my business card. Um, so that really excites me, A, because it makes my job a lot easier when we're having the conversations about yeah. the purpose of writing a book, the reasons to write a book. But so that really, for people to know that they're listening and they're hearing that and and that's their purpose. Um, and anecdotally, it's a great, great one. And anecdotally, I think that ties in a little bit with the conversation I was having with Dean a couple of weeks ago, saying that as markets and trends and the hottest thing kind of ebbs and flows, in the last six to nine months, maybe, have really seen a fall off in the number of people out there, other programs, not ourselves, but talking about write a book as a bestseller, get it on the bestseller list. It's the That's the most important thing. And I think it's a reflection of that was a particular point in time. There was a kind of quirk in the Amazon space, particularly where getting something onto a bestsellers list was relatively straightforward. The system could be, if not gamed or manipulated, there certainly was an algorithmic element that was known that could be leveraged. And I think that as a 
as a trend or as a as a tactic rather than as a, a broader strategy that we talk about sometimes that as a thing seems to have definitely died down now it might be just the kind of filter bubble of personally i didn't engage with that much of that stuff on facebook as an example so i just saw fewer of those types of ads but i'm still following broadly the same group of people so i think it's very it is very much now that we've got past that um gaming the system type approach of oh you should do this because it's a it's a way of getting a quick win and now more and more people are thinking about the actual underlying strategy and how it can really make a difference away from the kind of top level headline grabbing bestseller mm-hmm. type stuff into oh no this is really around leads and probably as well yeah. some of the stuff that we're pushing out both on the podcast and on the other side of the business so through more cheese less whiskers and the listing agent lifestyle when you see numbers i was just put the listing agent lifestyle podcast up earlier today and was looking at the distribution list that we send the email out to so just checking the increase of that over the last month or two so this is mm-hmm. the program uh, this is the realtor based program Dean recorded the first episode of the podcast as the kind of listing agent lifestyle manifesto kind of stating the, we talked about the different types of books in the past. So there's the, the type of book that is kind of the, the declaration type book. It's the stating the manifesto. It's the introducing someone to a topic that they might not be otherwise aware of. So the listing agent lifestyle is that created from episode one of the podcast. We're at episode 17. I just put live earlier today, the Facebook ad leading into that is for the book so it's targeting realtors asking them if they want a free copy of the listing agent lifestyle i think for memory the copy it's in an earlier episode i'll try and put a link in the show notes to the episode that we were talking about it specifically it's about four shows back from this so maybe about episode 49 or 50 um the ad copy for that i think is as simple as um listing agent lifestyle uh, new book listing agent lifestyle the future of real estate is better than you think download a free copy so using that as an example which more and more people are, are hearing about and and thinking about how it works for them that's generated just over three thousand leads in two months less than two months oh, wow. i think we pushed it live just at the end of january and we're now march 16th so 3,000 leads. There's 25, just over 2,500 in a North American campaign and about 400 or so, I said just under 3,000, 400 or so in, um, in a Canadian campaign. So I really think that as more and more examples are going out, those examples are resonating with people. People are thinking more and more about how they could use it. And, uh, and I think that's what we're seeing more and more of coming through. Yeah, I think I agree with that. So that's great. It's funny. I was just thinking about that campaign. Um, yesterday, I was talking to somebody about it. So I'm glad to know those numbers and see that kind of success there. Um, yeah, it's, it's all, as Dean Jackson would say, it's all very exciting. Just on that, so. um, we were trying to think, and one of the shows a couple of weeks ago, we were talking about different examples in different industries. Um, I mentioned last week, if anyone's listening, wants to be a guest on the show, then head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash guest um, to fill out a couple of details. And, and we've got quite a list of people now. So we're going to start scheduling those over the next week or two. In fact, I think the first one I've got maybe is next week. So if anyone wants to talk through some ideas of how they can use their book, um, then we're going to talk today about the break the 
<laughs> tripping over my words. We're going to talk today <laughs> about the book blueprint scorecard and mindset number seven, which is beneficial constraints. But in the next episode, it's we're talking about beyond the book and how to use it. But thinking about that, knowing that's coming up, if anyone wants to jump on a call to strategize how they could use it, whether they've written it already or they're thinking about writing it, then definitely head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash guest, fill out a couple of detail, uh, name and phone number and, and what you want to get out of the show. And then we'll schedule something and, and that'll be a great opportunity to, to brainstorm specifically for your business. Right. Very good. Alrighty. So, um, as I just mentioned, we're going to go through another one of the book blueprint scorecard mindsets today. So we're up to number seven of eight. We're going to talk about beneficial constraints. So this is really looking at, we've moved past the kind of what you're doing and why you're doing it and where you're taking people. We talked last time really about the, the content, the leading people from A to Z. So all of the building blocks are in place. So these last two mindsets, we want to talk about one of the biggest things we see with people coming to us who have started to do something. So this is around beneficial constraints. And then one of the most common questions we get, okay, now that I've done it, what should I do next? So we don't want another hour long show. So we're just going to hit one of them this time and one of them, one of them next time. So as always head over to the, the show notes for this episode, which is episode 54. So nicebinnetbooks.com forward slash podcast episode 54. And we'll have a copy of the, uh, book blueprint scorecard there so you can follow along as always if you want to complete your own book blueprint scorecard so you know where you sit on the scale then head over to bookblueprintscore.com and that's the site that will walk you through the eight mindsets and allow you to score yourself and then give you just a, a summary at the end of, of where you position and that's i think is really a great way of looking at which elements you're doing pretty well on which ones could you you could do better on and uh, equally looking at it as a whole, where to put your effort, which which lever to pull is likely to give you the best returns. So number seven, mm-hmm. beneficial constraints. I'll read through the four stages and then we'll talk in a little bit more about each one of them in turn. So at the lowest level, we're talking about having no constraints at all. You really want to write as much as possible and you haven't really even considered what a constraint might be. The second level is you're focusing on a specific problem to answer, but you haven't really defined the scope of the content and more specifically what not to include. And you haven't given yourself a specific deadline. So so you know really what you're doing, but there's not really that much in terms of constraints around it. The third level, the next level along then, and this is probably where most people, as with the last ones we talked about, most people are probably going to be in between this second and third level. So the third one, you've got a clear scope in mind. You've got a specific deadline in mind. And narrowing the content, the work really now is narrowing the content to ensure that it still delivers on the promise of the title. And then the fourth and the the top level, this is where it's really dialed in, is you're starting with the end in mind. You know the purpose of the book in terms of the specific funnel or campaign that you want to use it with. You know what its job of work is, that it's trying to identify leads within a specific um, group of people at a specific time within a specific funnel. So the constraints around that at the very top level are really dialed in 
and you've set it up in a way that kind of stops you from going off off the uh, off the rails or running long or scope creep all of these other things that we talk about yeah i definitely think um our clientele starts somewhere between two and three um for sure when when, when they come when they come on you know yeah come on board i think maybe once in a while you have that person who has who's who would fall under that you know that fourth um fourth category there <laughs> starting with the end in mind you know um but most of them yeah i would say definitely um two and three there yeah mm. Yeah, And I think that's because uh, we've talked before, a lot of our clientele are also coach clients, strategic coach clients. So mm-hmm. there's a lot of crossover in the programs there. A lot of them right. have already worked with Dean in other areas. So email mastery or have been to the Breakthrough Blueprint live events, uh, maybe long-time listeners to the Art of Marketing podcast back in the day mm-hmm. or she's less whiskers now. So a lot of this framework that we talk about is really based around the eight profit activators, the Breakthrough DNA right. model. And if you're listening to this and you don't know what that is, if you head over to breakthroughdna.com, then there's more information on that there. But I think falling into that second or third category is really where people have got this kind of an idea of the scope and then it's just dialing it in. Jumping back to the first level. So this is really not considered any constraints at all and not even really thinking why a constraint is important. We do occasionally see people come who have started to write something already and it's literally been a couple of years and they just haven't got it over the line. I think this is, I can remember back in, uh, back in school, whenever you'd have to write kind of anything long form, I was terrible for this. I'd like the, the opening, act if you like if i was thinking about writing something in in three acts which i never was i was just thinking about writing something in the quickest way possible but <laughs> um, <laughs> that wasn't necessarily the most rigorous with with homework um apart from working out ways of avoiding doing it but anyway if i did get around <laughs> to doing it the introduction or the opening section would be super super detailed because i'd be enthusiastic enough to to start but then it would get to the point where either the time or the energy levels had just completely run out. So without a very clear plan of where to go and wanting to kind of include all of this stuff, it's like I was trying to recreate Lord of the Rings on this one essay and this elaborate opening that then petered out into, and all of a sudden they all died. Um, <laughs> because either the time constraint or the scope constraint or or the energy constraint, all of those levels just ran out. So quite often, and we'll talk we'll talk to people about this in terms of both the, the not having a time constraint, so just open ended. I want to get this finished, but it will go on until it's done, which is a problem. Or scope in terms of, um, I know I want to write about this subject but this subject is huge and I want to cover all of the areas and I want to make sure that they've got enough detail and I want it to be the best thing we always talk about creating something that's the best thing but within a certain specifically defined scope so that you're giving yourself a chance without adding these beneficial constraints wanting to do unless your job is an author and literally this is what you're dedicating all of your time to do then this is something you're trying to do in addition to everything else. So really making it the best it can possibly be, but giving yourself the constraints of within this particular set of parameters is the only way that it's going to get done. I mean, I I can think of very, very few people who are able to just 
start writing and then give themselves the discipline to stop without something external as or something written or something um a guideline within their own mind of saying okay this is it and then no more it's interesting yeah. to see those ones that do come back and either he, people that we've been talking to a couple of years ago maybe or it's the first conversation they've that we've had with them but they do say Oh, well, I've made a start. I've got sort of 20,000 words here. <laughs> I'm uh-huh. thinking, that's great. That's two books straight away or one book right. and a whole load of supporting material, which we'll, we'll cover in beyond the book next time. Right. Um, the next level. So that's the basic level. Um, if anyone is as they're scoring, as you're listening to this and scoring yourself on the scorecard, if you do score in that, that first section, the first thing to really think about is jump back to some of the earlier ones is quite possible that you don't have a single target market dialed in or you don't have mm-hmm. a specific call to action. You don't know where you're trying to lead them to. And without that start and end position, you could be driving all over the place to get from A to B. Um, so if you are in that that position, practical advice there is to jump back the, to those two early ones and that might immediately start to help. Um, oh, so the next level... That's good advice. That's great advice with that. And I think it is something that we harp on about quite a lot. And sometimes we get feedback about the, we were talking about this just before we started recording as well. And two pieces of feedback are either we're always talking about the same points about single target market and where are you leading people? But as we've said before, that's, we still get all the questions all the time. As soon as people stop asking us or stop mentioning it, then we'll stop talking about it as well. But it's still one of the key things. Um, And the other bit of feedback is, uh, you talk too fast. So you, I'm trying not to do that today. <laughs> You're doing a great job. Really. Uh, thank I, you. Just, I, I was going to tell you. <laughs> I'm really trying to breathe in between words. It's quite funny. I've got yeah. my the, my podcast. I mean, I listen to hours worth of podcasts a, a, a week and I've got them sped up to like 1.6, 1.7 times. I wonder if uh, there's a setting where you can go the other way and maybe people listening <laughs> need to go down to like 0.7 or 0.8. <laughs> Um, so I was just going to make another point then about that, but I've lost the, uh, uh-huh. lost the train of thought yeah. that, um, yeah, jumping back to those first things, constraints are sometimes something that people see as a negative. Um, the joy of procrastination podcast, if, if no one's listened to that, that's Dan Sullivan and, and Dean talking about their challenges, overcoming procrastination, but the realization that procrastination can actually be a good indicator of things that you need to work on. So likewise with this, constraints could be seen as as limiting and bad, but they're not. They're empowering and give scope and make the likelihood of something getting completed and out there far, far, far higher than it would be if you didn't have those and you just started with the aim of finishing at some point in the future. So Hopefully it's a, it's a slightly different way of thinking about it. Moving on to the second level. And, and again, this level and the next level are probably where most people, as you listen to this, you probably fall somewhere in this category. So you are focusing on a specific problem to answer because you've heard us banging on about it however many times about defining a single target market. Mm-hmm. But within that, you maybe haven't defined the scope of the content. So you know who you want to talk to and to a certain degree you know what you want them to do next but you haven't necessarily taken the discipline of going through and thinking okay well that means i am going to talk about this and i'm not going to talk about that and the challenge there is that sometimes it's easy to drift down an alley that you didn't necessarily expect to go down and whilst Mm -hmm. doing that on a podcast isn't too bad because 
within the we've got a constraint more of energy than anything else to get to the end of it um you can get away with it in conversation obviously but as you're trying to write the the challenge there is that you're just going to write yourself into a hole and get further and further and further away from the path with potentially the problem of not being able to get back or it'll take another 500 or a thousand words to get back so i was talking and at that time you've kind of lost the I think that that I had that conversation today with with the gentleman or gentlemen. Um, just they have they know what what they want to answer, but they want to answer like every possible question to every you know. So yeah. I, I I and I think I shared that with you. I was a little overwhelmed with the whole conversation because there's so much information they don't know how to you know define that scope of that content. They don't know how to make that happen. Um, in my head, I truly, I visioned like a, a thousand page book sitting on someone's desk. Like that's yeah. what I was visioning, having this conversation. There was no possible. And they, I think, and the longer we talked, the more we, I, I saw us in the rabbit hole, you know, at some point, like, there was a, no coming out. Right. And it's a great example, I think, of some of the things that we talked about before in a lot of people come to the project thinking about a book in a traditional sense of a book because all of that magic and authority around a book that makes it so beneficial to do as a business owner or an organizational leader trying to start a conversation, all of those mental cues can also shoot you in the foot a little bit because as the person that's then also being the writer, you're thinking about it in the same way. So thinking about making it like a, textbook or the authoritative source that's going to answer absolutely everything again if there's a if you assess the situation and there's a genuine use case and benefit for doing that so you actively make the decision to do it then that's perfectly fine but then understanding that that decision has baggage that comes with it and that's potentially a year's worth of time tens of thousands of dollars worth of editing all of these extra things. And again, if all of that's worthwhile, then absolutely do it. But imagine breaking those thousand pages and 10 different subjects into 10 different books, being able to attract 10 different groups of people, all leading them to the same conversation, then it's much, much easier or much more likely that you'll complete the first one first and then move on from there rather than trying to deliver it all in this, this piece. I was talking to a dentist on um, Monday or Tuesday this week, I forget which, had been referred to us by someone else that's written already. Um, I hadn't, I'm not sure that he'd even seen the website, um, so wasn't that aware of the bigger picture. Certainly hadn't listened to the podcast and, and wasn't aware of some of the other program-based stuff that we do. So mm-hmm. it was pretty much coming to it, apart from that it was a warm recommendation, was pretty much coming to it as cold as possible from the point of view of the the program that we have and the way that we we structure it and suggest that it's done. So what I was saying to him was th- we build through the program from a 30-minute outlining call and then to think about the content because the outlining call is really to get the chapter structure and the chapter structure is the journey that leads them from the front to the back. So if you are scoring yourself on this Um, this mindset in the kind of mid to low second tier so a score of kind of four to um 
a score of kind of four to six, then taking a step back for a moment and thinking, okay, I need this constraint around the content. I know it could be anything. I've already dialed in what the target is. I know who I'm talking to and I know where I want them to go to. But even within that, I could still talk about a lot of different things. And then there's a lot of things running parallel to that, that I could fall into. So the way the pointer on this mindset, this level of the mindset is think about the chapter headings first and the way I described it to the dentist the other day was think of the chapter headings as a slide that you might have in a presentation. So say that you've got the opportunity to speak in front of a crowd of these people that you want to, you want to be in conversation with. One of the first slides that you would probably put up is a bullet of what we're going to talk about. So in that old kind of training mantra of tell them what you're going to tell them, then tell them, then tell them what you've told them. Similar here, the table of contents is the bullet points that kind of give people the um, the reassurance that they're in the right place. Then tell them in the content and then tell them what you told them in the wrap up at the end and the call to action. But we were talking about physical books and we've said on the podcast before many times that the actual really the number of books that get read is infinitesimally small compared with the number of books that are bought or or people intend to read so that's why we said the most important piece of real estate is the front cover because that's what gets them to raise their hand and identify themselves then the back cover is the call to action because most people turn over and flip to the back the next one after that is probably the table of contents i think people Mm -hmm. request a book particularly this and again we're not talking about um fiction but this type of book that's where the cover promises the answer to a question ideally people then don't want to read it they just want to be able to touch the book and have the answer it's a bit like the matrix thing <laughs> I would put money on the fact that if you gave someone the option of okay you can either request a copy of this book and i'll give you a thousand pages that you can read or even a hundred pages you can read or even 50 pages that you can read or i'll give you a copy of this book and take this blue pill and then all of the knowledge will be in your head everyone 99% of people would go for the second option because they almost right. want the the answer through osmosis i've bought the book i've requested a copy of the book i want the answer but god damn you're telling me i've got to read the damn thing as well i mean <laughs> people, people would ideally just want the answer so the table of contents is a way of allowing a certain set of people those are who are the maybe slightly warmer anyway who are more likely to take an action to open it see enough in the table of contents that it does um that they know it's answering their question and then just cut to the chase and see what the next step is so that table of contents really should be the words that are on there think about them in terms of bullets on slides in presentations and then the content that goes in each chapter after that the kind of the the meat that fills up those areas a little bit of the pie then that is what is in that chapter that's the extent of the scope that you need for that particular chapter and as long as you've done a good job of outlining one chapter to the next to the next chunking it down like that and almost writing each chapter independently of the others obviously you want some kind of coherent story uh, connection from one to the next right but but stopping and writing it in that way which is the same way that we 
suggests that if people who work with us, we do the outline call. The outlining call is really all about creating that that chapter structure because we know when we get on the phone to record that we want to lead you from one to the next to the next, not allow you to we don't the way it happens occasionally, but sometimes we'll get on the full the call and say, Hey Betsy, that's great. So you, we're on today to talk about uh how to run a, a great school. Uh, what would you say the key important pieces when thinking about starting that journey and then 10 minutes later someone's blasted through all of their content they've hit on all of the bullet points said about two words on each and then there'll be a breath and then we'll think right okay Uh well (laughs) now what um obviously i haven't done this a few times we're good at spotting that and we step in earlier to try and stop people but having the main chapter structure, thinking of each chapter independently, having the bullet points below that of the specifically the points we want to hit to make sure that nothing's forgotten. But just as important is the kind of negative space is the things that aren't on that list and the things that you shouldn't get sidetracked on talking about. And sometimes taking them section by section is an easy way to add the scope constraint and make sure yeah. you're more likely to get through it. Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, because it can it can go fast. We can 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 lose track very quickly. So, I mean, we do it on the podcast quite a lot, and you hear it on other podcasts a lot. Yeah. It's so easy because, particularly when you've been in business for any length of time, your mind makes all of the connections. You kind of see the whole jigsaw puzzle as you're talking through it, and you know that this piece here connects to that piece there even if it's something behind the scenes that the reader won't necessarily know or isn't far enough into the journey or doesn't have to care about yet because it is fresh in your mind, because the connection is there, because you know, and maybe it is something that's very important, but it might be really very important, but not very relevant at the moment. So unless you are giving yourself that scope again, rabbit holes to fall down and a thousand Mm -hmm. words later you'd be stuck in a situation of i I can't dig myself out of this um okay so that's the the second level the third level i mean really it's just the development of that that we've just talked about so some of the things that haven't been done if you're in the level four five six then have been done when you're here so a clear scope in mind in terms of what the outline is and what you are trying to talk about a specific deadline in mind so that you know that there's a hard date here that I have to hit. Now this one can be a bit challenging on both ends of the spectrum because sometimes people will give themselves a hard deadline and not allow enough time to actually get through the process, which can be a problem, particularly if you're making kind of external commitments to things. And on the other end of the spectrum, it can be very difficult for people to, um, there's a saying that I'm going to I both misquote and misattribute uh-huh. of, um, I think it's Douglas Adams saying, I love deadlines. I love the sound they make as they go whooshing by. Um, <laughs> so having, setting yourself a deadline that is artificial, that is a constraint you just putting on yourself is sometimes difficult as well. So at both ends of the spectrum, a time-based deadline can be a challenge. But without it, particularly on the open-ended side of the spectrum, it can be very difficult not to dial it in. If you know that you've got to, that you've got to hit a particular point in time, that will stop you writing because otherwise if you don't hit that, then 
there could be consequences and I mean, they could be real again or artificial. So a couple of the, a couple of the, the tricks around that might be an event that's coming up. If you know that you're speaking at an event or you're visiting an event um, as a guest, if you've got the opportunity to get in front of a particular client that's of high value, if you know that there are dates out there. So in the retail space, the lead up to Christmas is obviously big in the real estate space. The spring market is a big one. If you're in a college community, then coming to through the summer into the fall, that's going to be a, a big one. All of these things that are markers in the sand and it can go down to, I mean, really artificial things. So I, I mean, this is maybe. 18 months ago, I was talking to someone about an artificial constraint because they couldn't think of anything legitimate. So we went on to, there's a website, I can't remember what it's called, but it's got all of the national holidays and then the the made up national holidays, like, uh, I don't know, grandparents day or national salad day or whatever. Right. Right. Pizza day. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. National pizza day. So speak like a pirate day. So if, um, (laughs) In order to give yourself a deadline, if you knew that you were writing a book that was very relevant to wooden legs or pirate costumes or parrot sales, then you know that the one of the biggest days in the year, apart from Halloween maybe, might be National Speak Like a Pirate Day. And if you could write the book on how to dress like a pirate for less and launch it ready for National Speak Like a Pirate Day. I really don't know why I've chosen this as an example. Right, I don't think that's great. <laughs> but, yeah, uh, apart from the fact that I've got a great pirate joke that I'll tell at the end. Um, ah! <laughs> so if you knew that that was a particular point, you could quite possibly get a whole load of local press. I don't know when National Speak Like a Pirate Day is, but I'm quite sure oh. it's around a day that nothing else is going on. So you could get right. a whole load of local press and maybe even national press because you wrote the book that was associated with the day, particularly if it's on, if it's a quiet news cycle anyway, you're going to have a huge opportunity to leverage that deadline. So just thinking about artificial constraints there's a whole opportunity to create something and I'm a firm believer that your mind can't tell the difference between reality and, and a lack of reality as many modern situations tell us, but you can convince yourself that a a deadline is very important. Even if you begin by thinking that it's not particularly important. So all of these things, having that hard deadline, even if the dress like a pirate book was, half the thing that you really wanted to do even if you never talked about particular types of eye patches or the history of one pirate costume versus another pirate costume the fact that you get something out there on a quiet news day before national speak like a pirate day actually exists is going to be a thousand times more effective than getting something out there that does talk about all of these particular eye patches that does talk about the history of the costume four weeks after national pirate speak like a pirate day happened i mean even just as we're talking about it it's very easy to kind of conceptualize what the difference in the benefit is of getting the 80 percent thing out there on a good day versus getting the 100 or the 90 percent thing out there on a bad day true very true and um, just for those of you listening who might be interested, International Talk Like a Pirate Day will be Wednesday, September 19th. 
So there you go. So look at that as a, okay, so I really didn't know this Uh beforehand, but when you think about that, so we're March 16th now, so that's six Mm -hmm. months away. If you run a, in a, in a <laughs> if you run any business where that's even remotely important, and assumedly then if you were talking about pirate costumes, then Halloween six weeks after that mm-hmm. is going to be an important day as well. Then the traffic yeah, and the interest and the importance and the um, recognition or the mind share that you're going to get by writing the book, How to Dress Like a Pirate for Less, launching that September the 16th, that's two weeks after or a couple of weeks after, depending on where you are, all the kids are back to school. Everyone's been back to work. Everyone's the kind of excitement or relief of getting back to work has kind of died off. Christmas is still and Thanksgiving is still a long way away. So being able to grab Mindshare in the middle of September for something that is going to precede your funnel for Halloween two weeks later. I mean, that's just that's phenomenally more beneficial especially when you think about and i'm really trying not to talk too fast here <laughs> but especially when you think about but you kind of got excited about this yeah that's, yeah there's that passion yeah yeah because when you think about it and again i don't think that we've actually talked to any costume companies about wanting uh-uh. to write a book but if as you're listening to this if you know someone then feel free to give them <laughs> this as your idea and look like a genius as long exactly. as you tell them to write the book with us i guess but uh that's everyone else is running ads. So I would imagine if we were to look at Google Trends or AdWords or Facebook ad prices in the lead up through the end of September, through October towards November and um, and Halloween, then it's going to ramp hugely as it gets towards that point because everyone else is thinking, oh man, we're two weeks out, we need to start running some ads. So it's going to spike through the roof. If you can steal all of that traffic in the middle of September when no one else is thinking about it, but people are slowly starting to think about Halloween, or even if they don't come on board in September, if they've seen an ad or seen something that talks about how to dress like a pirate for less a week or two before, there's a huge opportunity to steal that traffic at a time when no one else is doing it. Um, we did, for anyone that's on the more cheese, less whiskers mailing list, uh, the Thursday broadcast that we put out, which is a snippet from an earlier show, went out on Thursday, obviously. Um, but that was talking about a More Cheese Last Whiskers episode we did last year sometime. It was a lawn care company and we were talking to them. Everyone does like the free treatment type postcards and flyers at the beginning of the season in the spring that's when the majority of the activity goes on because everyone's starting to think about, okay, summer, uh, spring is coming back now, winter's passing, everyone's starting to think about their lawns, mosquitoes and things like that starting to come out that little bit later. But what if instead of spending exactly the same money, instead of offering a free treatment at the beginning of the season, what if you offered a free treatment at the end of the season? So almost like um, winterizing your car or what's another example like vacation rental homes summer vacation homes kind of winterizing them and and shutting them down ready for the end of season there's a certain Mm -hmm. crossover into lawns so everyone else is talking about spring and going into it 
highly competitive time if you talked about winter and winterizing in the steps that you can take now to make next year's lawn the best it can possibly be then there's the opportunity of stealing the customers six months before anyone else because those same people are going to have the same lawns when it comes to spring but you've had the opportunity to give them a beneficial treatment at the end of the season and continue the conversation with them through the fall sending them maybe a monthly check-in to say okay so now we're going into november the thing about your lawn that you want to do in november is such and such we're going into december the thing you want to do now so when it does come to spring all of the everyone else is rushing around looking for new customers and you're looking to engage existing customers people that you've already got a relationship with people who already know like and trust you so this pirate book opportunity to kind of have that artificial constraint is a way of getting something in there to a deadline that means you're going to get it done there's a huge benefit of being slightly off cycle to everyone else and again i mean the main thing is trying to dial it now back into this particular mindset you've given yourself a deadline that means it's much more likely that you're going to hit it rather than just being open-ended and thinking well i don't really have a, a deadline in mind that was a great example there that was a great little rabbit hole which it's fine to fall into when you're on a podcast because it's any words (laughs) um so that that's mindset three and uh sorry two and three the mid the middle ones that where most people are likely to sit so we'll quickly touch on oh actually most important thing before we move on uh do you want to hear the pirate joke yes please (laughs) this is so silly why are pirates called pirates no idea why because they are <laughs> right okay so that'll entertain all of the three-year-olds listening to uh listening to the podcast um okay that might not make it through the edit by the way so if anyone does hear that no, joke, I, okay. that, that has to stay <laughs> okay, that okay. Has to <laughs> um okay at least people can't see you blushing when you're on a podcast. Right, so, exactly. Mindset number four of, uh, oh, sorry, the fourth stage of the beneficial constraints mindset. So this really is the, the, this is where you've got it really dialed in. So you've started with the end in mind. You know the purpose of the, where you're leading people to, what you want them to do next. More specifically, you know how the book's going to work in terms of the funnel or campaign that you're using it for. And all of these things tie in together so you know when you need it for because of the campaign you know what you need it for because of the target market you know why you need it because of where you're leading them you've got all of this scope dialed in the constraints dialed in of the the what it is and the when it is so that allows you to go back to the outline that we talked about before the table of contents make sure that at the 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 top level the table of contents level it makes sense so someone just looking at that one page by itself has a clear understanding of the thing that you're saying the thing that you're communicating there's a very clear beginning middle and end at each level below that you've got a clear constraint about what it is you're talking about so there's maybe four or five bullet points within each within each chapter that are the key things that you want to hit and that gives you a scope constraint because you've got the discipline and you know that you don't want to go outside of that because not that it's irrelevant not that it's important but it's just not important for this particular thing that you're doing and you've got the 
the time constraint of knowing when you want it to get out there. So at the top level, all of those things are dialed in. And the, the outcome of that is not that you can pat yourself on the back that you've scored highly on this, this mindset, but the outcome is it is a hundred times more likely that you're actually going to get it done rather than thinking, this is something that I should do. This is something I want to do. This is something that I've started. This is something that I've been doing for two years and still it's not finished. Dialing it in with the beneficial constraints is really the best way of making sure that this is going to be a project that you're likely to get finished. It will get out there doing its job of work, collecting leads, starting conversations, engaging existing clients, being a tool that you can give to existing customers as a referral for their friends to give their friends value that automatically or eventually leads back to you. Working with complementary non-competing businesses so that you can give them something of value so that you can spread your message. You can be known as the economical pirate outfit guy or girl. All of these things, none of it makes any difference unless the book's actually out there doing some work and, and, and engaging those uh, those people. Yeah, that was that was a lot of great information today. That was quite a lot. I just looked at the uh, clock and we've definitely yeah. blown past 30 minutes. We yeah. are um, saying that we were just going to do one. The, it's definitely yeah, the way to go. The idea of a 30-minute podcast just kind of gets thrown out every week. So, um, <laughs> maybe we should just stop saying it. The problem is this is right. uh, the, if maybe there's a slight concern about saying it's a 45-minute or 60-minute podcast because then we might be an hour and a half in and uh, right. trying to get it dialed in. <laughs> yeah, let's take the 30 minutes. Yeah, I on. mean, this is the example of talking about beneficial constraints i mean we don't mind talking mm-hmm. i think psychologically we've kind of got the expectation that if an hour is the hard deadline because that is when it really starts getting long leading yeah. up to that the constraint that we put us the constraint that we put on ourselves for the show is more around energy and subject matter rather than anything else we know we've got a a we know that the scope constraint is less important because as the podcast recorded and goes out, there's not additional work that needs to be done to it. Unlike a book, the more you talk and the more you try and put into a book, the more you have to edit and the more you have to make sure that it's cohesive all the way through. So one minute's worth of talking in a book sense is five minutes worth of effort down the track. So from the and I think it's worth thinking about constraints in that way of the relevant constraints and the less relevant constraints. So time, as long as we don't go past an hour, but time is less of an issue here. Scope is, we still obviously try and keep it dialed, relatively dialed in at least, but the impact of not being quite so dialed in, there's more of a benefit than there is a constraint or a cost here. Because if we talk about things that are slightly broader, then it will give more examples to people. And hopefully as you're listening to this, more of the things that we say will resonate and give you that enthusiasm and encouragement to get it done. Whereas in the, in the book sense, it's problematic because it means further effort down the track. So uh, that's another way of thinking about the constraints as well and, and why it's important. It's not necessarily important because of a date or a deadline or the fact that in your table of contents, you said that you're going to do this and not that. Those things aren't so relevant. It's the getting it out there. That's the, it's just one part of getting it out there and it's the getting it out there that's important. Exactly. All righty. Very good. I was going to say that I'm a bit, uh, I need a, a drink, so I was going to make some coffee, but I'm actually 
we had some good examples today. So I'm a little bit amped up on the enthusiasm of uh, looking for someone that wants to write a pirate costume book now. So maybe I'll have a decaf, not uh, <laughs> nothing else going into the bloodstream. Um, right. So anything, anything else that uh, that we haven't mentioned that you can think about? No, I think we got it. No. I think there's, um, you know, if anybody's following, I mean, I, I, I hope everyone just, I hear from people that they're listening to this and, and they've been following along and somebody was able to quote um, our purposeful outline conversation um, today when I was having a conversation with someone. So that's kind of, it, it's, it's fun. It's great to hear people that are really absorbing this information. And I think this specifically, um, you know, if you weren't thinking about a book, you're really thinking about one now, I think, you know, and there's a lot of valuable information um, that we've provided here. So um, Perfect. one of my favorite subjects is beyond your book. Yeah. Um, that, that, that'll be great next week. Um, we get that a lot and I think we'll have a lot of examples. So that one may be close to an hour next week as well. Yeah. You know what? We might need to uh, spin that over a couple of shows. <laughs> we'll see how right. it goes. Maybe because there's so many examples will. as well. And it's so broad. I mean, we've talked about some of them in the past and they've come up as we've been talking about things, but it'll be good to get right. them in a, in a specific show. So as you listen yeah. to this, then hopefully it's given you either a, the motivation to, or some, um, reminders of how you can get this done yourself obviously we think the best and, and quickest and most successful way of doing it is is jumping in and doing it with us so if this has pushed anyone towards that decision then jump over to 90minutebooks.com and follow the get started link and we'll be here to guide you through all of those steps of the purpose and the outline and and then the content afterwards to check out the show notes for this head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash podcast and this is episode 54 as I mentioned at the beginning, if you want to be a guest and we can go brainstorm some, I have some evil schemes for, for your book, head over to 90minutebooks.com forward slash guest or the be a guest link in the podcast section of the website and then fill in some details and we can get uh, get you on. And equally, if you've got any either A, suggestions for the show, something you want us to talk about or B, questions about the process generally and and um, how your book might come together or the, the audience that you can target, then just drop us an email to support at 90 minute books and myself and Betsy both see those and we'll be able to get back in touch and follow up. Sounds good. Perfect. Okay. Well, thanks again for your time, Betsy. It's a um, great show Absolutely. as always. And thanks yes. for everyone listening and we'll catch you next time. Take care.